Hello and welcome to Eurectus Agri-Food Podcast. I'm Julia Dam. And I'm Gerardo Fortuna. And here's your weekly update on all things agriculture and food in the EU from Eurectus Agri-Food News Team. This week, the menu of the Agri-Fish Council, uh, the Organics Award and Ukrainian Bread. And welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast. I, I hope so. Or favorite agri-food podcast, let's say. Bah, favorite uh, podcast. Let's not be humble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Indeed, indeed. Um, we start a very busy week uh, uh, this week because uh, we, th there's already a bank. Uh, you, you, you probably listen to us uh, on a Monday morning, uh, the beginning of the week. Uh, and actually, the main event of this week is the... Uh, is happening in uh, is happening right now actually. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast on Monday morning, of course, uh, because there's the Agrifish Council. Uh, I translate from the EU jargon is the meeting of the EU 27 Agriculture Minister. They gathered mostly once a month, uh, either in Brussels or in Luxembourg. Uh, today they're in Brussels, and they're gonna talk about a bunch of stuff, uh, Julia. It's actually a very busy agenda. Yeah, it's quite a diverse menu as well. Um, there's lots of very diverse small stuff. Um, one interesting th thing that's uh, on the menu definitely is food labeling. So this is quite the, diver the divisive topic between, um, between member states and the European Commission is expected to put forth a proposal on that until the end of the year. Um, so I think we can expect some very juicy debates on this from, from member states. Yeah, we, we all know that the main, uh, issue is, uh, again, there's a, a struggle between, uh, let's say France, uh, and Italy, uh, on uh, nutritional labeling in particular, uh, France uh, is proposing uh, the Nutri-Score uh, system, which is a labeling system, uh, a color. We, 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 it's a bit like the traffic light one. Uh, in Belgium, I, I don't know in Germany, but in Belgium, it's quite uh, spread. There are several, in Germany as well. Uh, yeah. You go through supermarkets, you see it quite, quite often. Just for make uh, just for make an example, if you check and you should on your active agrifood um, your active agrifood brief, so our weekly newsletter uh, in your mailbox every Friday, or uh, on your active website, whatever you want, whenever you want, uh, there's an interesting uh, story from Italy because the competition authority uh, actually fined a French company. We're talking about a fine of. Uh, 30,000 euro and the yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, we're talking about the french multinational uh, regime ducan so the you know the dietary products ducan uh, diet uh because uh, because of the use of uh, nutriscore because the the, the competition authority uh, consider this labeling system inappropriate an inappropriate method uh to guide consumer in their food choices uh so again we're talking about an italian authority saying taking this uh, quite uh, harsh stance uh and uh, likewise there was um uh, last week there was a 
a publication from uh, uh, SAFE, Safe Food Advocacy Europe. Uh, and um, in this report, uh, one of the you know many relevant findings are basically considering uh, uh, Nutri-Score not in a in not in a positive way. Uh, they're actually quite critical. For instance, it doesn't take into consideration uh, natural substances which are beneficial to health. Uh, or uh, they don't. Uh, it doesn't consider the level of processing of the products. This is one of the uh, biggest arguments, uh, or one of the actually, yeah, the biggest argument of Italy uh, is they basically saying that uh, it favor uh, ultra processed food. Uh, anyway, it's uh, it's quite of um, an interesting topic. Uh, also considering this. Uh, gastro diplomacy let's say from uh, from italy uh, because they're putting together a coalition to stop uh, nutriscore for becoming uh, the leading uh, actually the only one the eu-wide nutritional labeling so this is the beginning of the of the discourse on on uh, nutritional labeling and um, heads gearing up there yeah yeah indeed and uh, what else, Julia? Do you have uh, any other suggestions for our uh, list? Menu suggestions. I'm the um, the agri-food sommelier here. Um, we have a very uh, tasty uh, meeting point coming from Ukraine this time again. Um, agricultural production in Ukraine is again on the menu. And uh, the EU agriculture ministers will actually be joined by Ukrainian minister Mykola Zolsky, who's joined them a couple of times now by now. Uh, I think by now, um, and I, he's supposed to update them on the implementation of transport routes of grain um, from Ukraine. Uh, if you want to find out more on that, we have a very interesting story this week from our colleague uh, Yaroslava Vukta on um, how Ukraine exports are going now that seaports uh, are somewhat functioning again. Um, Yaroslava, who will join us uh, in a while to talk about... Uh something uh, let's say organic uh-huh you'll hear from her later yeah so they, I, I was supposed uh, to be a hint a clue it was basically the topic like i mean i wanted to give something <laughs> mysterious and i basically yeah yeah anyway like a subtle hint that wasn't all that subtle yeah. uh yeah so check out her story on um agricultural experts if you want to be the most informed person ahead of this uh agenda point at the agrofish council um what I found um, very, very uh, interesting is that there's also going to be a debate about um, carnivores in the EU. And this is interesting because um, it's going to prove a prediction I made true, maybe. Let's see. Uh, because a couple of weeks ago, I posted on Twitter, for those who follow me, for those who don't, please do. Um, not desperate at all. Um, I posted about a piece of news which was that uh, Ursula von der Leyen's pony, if you don't know, she's um, from this kind of, yeah, uh, relatively wealthy family in northern Germany. So they have horses and ponies. So one of her ponies was actually killed by a wolf. Uh, yeah, so I said, look out if um, there's going to be, if the EU is going to crack down on, on wolves soon, you'll, you're going to know why. So let's see what happens on the carnivores. I'm fascinated by this story, Julia. I'm really <laughs> fascinated 
like <laughs> I didn't know about Wonderlines porn. It should should be the title of uh, of the podcast technically. <laughs> and there's also uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm not as uh, as funny as this um, as this uh, tiny remark, but uh, there's also another interesting um, aspect uh, that is going to be uh, treated for the first time with the minister and it's about the industrial emission directive the, inter- the industrial emission directive uh, was presented by the commission in uh, april the, the beginning of april so it's 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 a proposed legislation it's not uh, yet uh, signed uh, and it's basically uh, an aims to reduce harmful emission harmful emissions coming from industrial installation you might ask uh, why are we talking about this in an agriculture uh, po- agriculture policy podcast well the um, in the scope of the revision of this directive uh, there's the extension uh, not only to cover for instance activities like uh, mineral mining and so on textile production but also the largest livestock farms in Europe so they're considered now as agro industrial installation if the proposed legislation uh, will uh, will uh, be approved as uh, you know with the wording of the commission hmm. I remember they were quite the waves when it was first proposed. Indeed, indeed. You remember, you remember correctly because it's. Uh, I remember the former uh, minister of uh, of agriculture uh, from France, uh, and he was under the French presidency actually, and he was complaining about this um, because it's all about the number of. Uh, okay, this is a bit complicated because in the directive or in the, the, the proposal from the commission, uh, this scope is, uh, will apply to all the industrial farms with more than 150 livestock units. So there's this concept of livestock units, which is theoretical, no? It's basically, it's a reference unit. Um, technically are equivalent to 150 adult cows or... Uh, uh, 10,000 laying ends uh, or f- 500 pigs and so on. So uh, basically um, there's a bit of uh, the, the, the bone of contention is basically the number, no? the, the number of livestock units uh, that, uh, that um, will be um, approved by the EU lawmakers. Uh, so I assume that there's going to be a very tough debate because I think that, uh, no, I think it's actually quite likely that member states are pushing to reduce the livestock units at the minimum. Uh, but uh, yeah, so this is actually, again, this is the beginning of another, ind- like the labeling um, labeling uh, debate. It's something that is going to become very important and we're going to, touch on this uh, quite often in the months to come so uh, bear with us and and stay and uh, stay tuned for any development on these important dossiers Uh, hello i'm yaroslava buhta and today we'll go all organic with you So last week, there was a lot of buzz around organic farming because we celebrated the already second EU Organic Day. 
This day was introduced last year as a part of the action plan for the development of organic production presented by the European Commission in 2021. The logic behind the plan is simple, to raise consumers' awareness about the characteristics and benefits of organic, organic production, push the demand for such products and stimulate the producers. For this purpose, the action plan includes the launch of annual awards recognizing excellence in the organic value chain. And the first one of these rewards, with a very unexpected name, EU Organic Award, took place on Friday in Brussels. It comprises eight awards across seven different categories. They acknowledge different actors along the organic value chain that have developed an excellent, innovative, sustainable and inspiring project, producing real added value for organic production and consumption. We spoke with some of this year's award winners and are now ready to share this innovation inspiration with you. We start with the winner in the category Best Organic Farmer Male. I'm David. I'm, uh, I run Zerno Organic Farm, the oldest organic farm in Croatia. Uh, it has about 20 hectares of land and uh, we have four types of production. We have primary uh, crop production, uh, processing, uh, fermented products, a bakery on the farm and we have an organic restaurant. Um, over all those four types of production, we have over 150 certified organic products. And in this way, we have the opportunity to add a lot of value through all these production stages and uh, in that way provide our customers with uh, a great uh, food experience. All the initiatives and efforts uh, of the European Union in general to promote organic, especially with the action plan and the Green New Deal, all of those are helping uh, to grow the organic market. Uh, there still needs to be a lot of work done, obviously, um, especially in terms of educating the consumers and, and really uh, pushing uh, the application of all these initiatives on a national level. Another interesting person we talked to is Jork, representing the winner in the category Best Organic Small or Medium Enterprise. I'm from the company Goodvenience and we made good products from uh, food waste. We uh, cooking broth and we made uh, uh, sauces and other stuff uh, all organic and uh, we love. The Good Vinians buy from Germany employs 10 people. It produces handcrafted and organic broth, soups, sauces, spices and oils with a strong emphasis on sustainable, circular and innovative production. For example, the company does the processing of invasive species such as crabs. Another interesting initiative is a winner in the category Best Organic Restaurant, Lila Bjers in Sweden. It is an organic farm and restaurant operating under the seed-to-plate concept. The farm also has a store. An interesting peculiarity is that it's free from fu fossil fuel. It grows 300 different crops which helps preserve biodiversity. We managed to talk to the winner's representative about the launch of the business as well as the way it faces challenges. Uh, my name is Alex Wuck and I'm the head chef of Lilla Biers, mm -hmm. which is actually a farm, an organic farm, uh, where we have a restaurant and a mm -hmm. store and at the, at the restaurant we are serving our vegetables so the only thing that we serve is basically things that we produce ourselves. Oh, that's, uh, how did you come up with this idea? Well the thing is that this, the farm has been open for a long time, it's a family business. In the 97 they used to be an organic farm mm -hmm. which was very early at that stage 
to go the organic way. Uh, it grew and after uh, 2012 we reached a point where we produced more than we can sell. Mm -hmm. So we oh, we bought the, uh, we bought, we built a kitchen mm -hmm. just to have mm -hmm. somewhere to uh, take care of the vegetables. But it turned out to be a restaurant. So mm -hmm. actually the restaurant is in our greenhouse where mm -hmm. we also grow, grow some vegetables. And uh, from then that then we have been uh, developing the restaurant concept. When you have a store yourself and you sell your vegetables, you're not and you're not depending on retailers that want to sell your products to the lowest mm -hmm. price. So you can take you can you can sell your products yourself. Oh. Uh, and with the restaurant, we use the restaurant to be a place where we talk about the importance of mm -hmm. organic farming and our products. So it's sort of marketing itself by mm -hmm. cooking good food. <laughs> Uh, and these days, the challenges, of course, I mean, special situation like we talked about during this day in the world right now with the economy and so on. But I think that people know what organic is. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that that's a very, it's very beneficial in these times that when you make mm -hmm. a choice, you actually make it. But we'll see how it goes with the, the prices going mm -hmm. up. But I think that we can adapt and we're trying mm -hmm. to adapt the whole time. Uh, and uh, hopefully this helps. During the event, we also managed to talk with Christa Schwang, the president of the European Economic and Social Committee, who highlighted the price advantage organic products may have compared to the regular ones. The feeling that uh, the, the, the world we are living today clearly shows that um, it's more difficult to get uh, fertilizers, which is why products uh, from agricultural products, uh, which are produced in an in an uh, normal way, I'd say, become much more expensive than those that are uh, produced by organic uh, farming. And organic farming, therefore, organic products, therefore, have the advantage that they are cheaper, that they the gap between the organic farming and uh, the traditionally produced uh, products uh, narrows. Ulrika Landergren, the NET chair of the Committee of Regions also emphasized the importance of organic farming development, as well as the local support needed for such production. I'm been here today in this organic award, and it has been uh, tremendous and also very, very interesting. Uh, we support local and regional authorities, think it's so important that we get more organic agriculture and uh, also that we eat more uh, organic food, so we have to produce it. And we can support it as local leaders uh, to uh, get more marketplace for organic food. We can support young farmers and we can give uh, both technical and financial support. So uh, I think uh, local and regional uh, politicians are important to gain more uh, organic food. Such reward events are important as they both show the customers the perks of buying organic foods, the added value they help to tell the story of the enterprises and organic farmers, and they also share best practices and may inspire more farms to turn to the organic side. We close this roundup on the organic production with the words of Eduardo Cuoco, the director of the EU Organic Trade Association, IFOAM. We have the objective to reach 25% organic land. This objective can only be reached if we cooperate all together and we share uh, how to reach um, success with organic farming. Said so, today is also a very important day because it gives us the possibility to have a, a look on how uh, we are developing and implementing the European Action Plan. 
This is a very important tool that the Commission has put in place for the development of organic farming. And we need to make sure and take a stock on what is happening about that. So how the different actions uh, of the action plan are being implemented um, through the European Commission's policy, but also through uh, the Member States' commitment and through our own commitment as a sector. So I'm glad that we had the possibility to discuss this today. I'm looking forward already to the next uh, European Organic Day in uh, 2023 and to um, start promoting again the call for European, European Organic Awards. And I hope that uh, we will have even more uh, farmers, processors, traders, retailers, restaurants joining uh, these awards so that we can have more and more best practices to be shared in Europe. So I'm here at the Terra Madre conference in Turin in Northern Italy. And as you can hear, there's a lot going on around me. It is a huge conference, a food festival, uh, celebrating everything that's sustainable, the very strong focus on local. And it's really quite impressive. It's the first time I've ever come here, but there are thousands of people here uh, coming to learn about food, where it, com where it comes from, how it's produced, and how to consume uh, more sustainably. So it's a very, very interesting, uh, interesting festival. There's a lot going on. And as you can imagine, there are all kinds of flavors I could dip into for this week's flavor of the week. So let's find out which one I've gone for. Hi, my name is Sonia. I'm from Ukraine and here at Terra Madre, yes, we're presenting uh, Slow Food Ukraine. It's a very impressive stand and we're actually standing here in front of some very intricate looking breads. They look very interesting. Sonia, if you could tell us a little bit about the bread that I'm looking at right now. Yes, uh, we have here a variety of Ukrainian national brands, breads and uh, the most interesting here, in my opinion, is the Ukrainian wedding love, which is called Koravai. And um, it was uh, actually used um, instead of cake at the wedding. And parents used to welcome the newlyweds with uh, this type of bread. And um, yeah. This uh, bread, uh, it is made uh, of buttery wheat dough, which is used especially for these types of bread. Um, it can be from one to five or even six uh, levels uh, in height. Wow. Yes, and uh, it is uh, usually decorated with uh, various dough figures. Um, for example, uh, a love bread, uh, this wedding bread is decorated with dough flowers and uh, so that newlyweds will have uh, children. Or it could be oak uh, leaves for uh, good health. And uh, each region has uh, its own uh, nuances of interpretation of these uh, symbols of these uh, dough figures. And uh, actually one more interesting thing that the woman, the main woman who uh, baked the bread was supposed to, to be happy and have a strong family. And uh, this bread was made by five or seven or nine or even 12 uh, women together. Yes, without the, 
like the the youngest without that so they had to be married and uh-huh. all had the the positive this energy the of, of the family of the good uh, strong family but uh, during the soviet union this uh, tradition disappeared because uh, everything ukrainian was destroyed and uh, this cake this wedding cake was uh, only in the villages in the small villages but now it's uh, gradually reviving and especially after the full-scale invasion of ukraine uh, young people are becoming uh, interested and want to have this type of uh, wedding cake instead of a normal cake uh, at their weddings. Mm, so nice, the tradition's coming back. Yes. And it yes, should because finally. it's so beautiful. It's such Very a beautiful... beautiful, <laughs> yes. Especially when it's decorated with yeah. this uh, small uh, like pieces of flowers, of uh, tree leaves. Uh, it's like uh, an art. Yeah, it really is. And we have some very nice music in the background as well to accompany yes, this. Is Ukrainian, this? Uh, Ukrainian singer. That's all from us this week. This week, the AgriFood podcast was produced by Euractiv's AgriFood news team, Jada Fortuna, Natasha Foot, Jaroslava Bukta and Julia Dam, with the technical support of Abby Curie. This podcast is also available on all major streaming platforms, including Apple, Amazon, Spotify and Stitcher. And be sure to subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss the latest agriculture news from the EU. I'm Gerardo Fortuna. Thanks for listening and see you next week.